Hello and welcome to Oroch Digital's How to Make a Video Game Podcast. Here, you'll be entertained, informed and enlightened by the many goings-on within the studio as we introduce you to our projects, our colleagues and give you a little insight into how we operate. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. How to Make a Video Game, the podcast. I say that with a colon as if like it's how to make a video game the movie or how to make a video game the soap opera or something i don't know uh i'm rambling and we are currently about 10 seconds into the episode and that's fine matthew here audio designer jess welcome how are you hi matt i'm really good thank you now i'm just envisioning our whole podcast just as a soap opera very eastenders coronation street-esque and i'm thinking about the potential we have here to really like drag out some drama maybe that could be like a bonus episode or something we just get really dramatic for an episode that'd be fun you've just you've just planted one hell of a seed if we ever get around to doing like a christmas special or something which of course do exists in uh soap operas and that can you imagine like our digital how to make a video game the soap opera like we could build some sort of we would i mean we've we've alluded to rpgs and stuff in in this season and um what if we did like a live action rpg or digital but we play you know amplified characters of ourselves and the setting is the studio you know oh there's something there oh that would be so fun Get out of my studio! <laughs> yeah, so it's going to need like we'll need we'll need the local. There have to be a local uh, public house. There needs to be mm-hmm. like a small mm-hmm. shop. There needs to be a train station, and it all has to be on one street. So <laughs> we've got to make it to something very cool. But we're not talking about that today, Jess. What are we talking about today? Oh darn! No, we're not. Gosh darn it, Matt. Uh, today we're going to be we're going to be talking about psychology. Uh, this is kind of my wheelhouse, I guess, as a neuroscientist. Um, this is what I did degrees in. This is what I was brought up to do, and then decided to not do it. So this is nice to have a little moment to chat about it and to be enthusiastic about it. Uh, so I guess um, yeah, the the idea of this episode is that it's not going to be a heavy psychology dive because this topic i mean in and of itself it could be an entire podcast series like i could do much more than a 30 minute episode on this so really we're just going to do like a quick context dive get get ruminating get thinking on a couple of things stretch out our brain cells um and see where the episode goes i think that's that's the vibe for today that's all we're going to get up to i'm looking forward to that um it feels a bit like this kind of episode has been a long time coming we haven't really even before your good self, like I don't think we've ever really covered anything um, around this sort of topic. Do you think that with the background that you have, is this something that's been just like on your shoulder for a while, wanting to kind of start chipping away? Or since you've joined Oroch and joined the games industry, the two have sort of collided in a good way now with your background in games and you're, you're, you're able to, you know, you've got the platform to talk about this kind of stuff? I definitely think it's been chipping away on my shoulder for a long time I think it's something that was always emerging that I wanted to do which was my two loves of psychology and video games and I know that there's definitely some really great resources out there there are some really good articles and research that's been done on the topics Uh, I really enjoy reading those articles I think they're really fun to do and to see uh, just two of my favorite worlds colliding essentially Um, it's a nice mishmash so yeah, I'm excited for this one. So, should we should we jump in? Should we go in? Should we go for it? Here comes the ident. So, when I was thinking about writing this episode and trying to 
understand how I would convey a lot of this information, I thought the best thing to do is to give it some context to pick out one of our games and to take the audience through it, to take yourself through it, um, and really kind of get into get underneath the the nail bed of what it is that makes this game tick, what makes it so successful, what makes it feel so good, so authentic. Uh, so what I'm going to be talking about is our game Brewmaster Beer Brewing Simulator, which is due to come out this year. I'm very, very excited. Um, it's going to be so much fun. We've had a lot of really, really deeply enthusiastic community members around the game, and I know they're looking forward to it too. So just to give everyone a little bit of context, it's an authentic home brewing simulator where people can, at their own pace, brew craft beer. The game is thematically cosy, adaptable and welcoming. The environment is an absolute pleasure to be immersed in. It's not so overwhelming. It detracts from the core experience of brewing beer, but it's impactful enough that it's a beautiful place you want to return to and you want to spend hours within it. Uh, we've got customizable furniture options so you can really make the space your own and make it feel like it reflects you and your own personality and interests. You can rearrange magnets on a fridge. You can put in your own kind of labels on your beer and you can get a little bit artistic around the name of it. Um, it's it's a really lovely game. The team have absolutely smashed it and it's so authentic too. Like the, the chemistry simulator on the game is really, really robust. So I'm so proud of them. Um, so this is where we talk about why, why does the brain feel good when you play it? Because I have played some of the builds and no matter what, I, I'm not really that interested in beer, but I have such a delightful time in playing this game and I wanted to kind of work out why that was. Uh, so I guess the the kind of the main thing that jumps out at me immediately is the art and the colour palette. I think that there is a very strong sense of style in this game. The colour palette is very thoughtfully laid out um, and considered. It's very accessible as well. Uh, the there's a use of warm colours, they evoke a softer, calmer emotion. Uh, you've got greens, warm oranges, yellows and golds, and these are strongly correlated with feelings of comfort, elegance and security. Like whenever you read like psychology research papers, there's a lot of evidence that particular shades of colours, as well as the colours themselves, can really impact your emotional response to them. Uh, I think something that people typically talk about is red. Don't ever paint a room red because it will make you feel angry all of the time. And that's like if you were to do a really bold, bright red, but if you're going to do like a really deep kind of uh, rusty colour, that's comforting, that's deeply warming, that that is an embrace that makes you feel like this is a good place to be. This is where you want to be around. Um, in the same way, you can have other colors that are made to feel cold and clinical, uh, usually like very light blues, for example. Um, and sometimes that's what you want to design. That's what you want. That's the kind of feeling and vibe you want to evoke. But for the game, for Brewmaster, we decided to go for this cozy feeling. Um, I'll probably say the words cozy and relaxing and wholesome a lot in this episode because that's kind of the overarching theme to the game but I think that's what's important is there's all, so many different aspects to the game are psychologically making us feel this way and it's very cohesive I think that's the important part to note about it um, so kind of the next part of it is the music and um, so this is where I wanted to chat to you and then pick your brains a little bit on this one Matt uh, so the music of the game <clears throat> it's gentle 
It's got a cadence that soothes and repeats in a gentle rhythm. Uh, this kind of music loop is seen in other relaxing games like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley. It's, it's a loop of music that is not so short that you notice it ending and then beginning again, but it's not so long that it feels incredibly drawn out and you're waiting and you, and you can track the progression of it. Um, what I mean by this is repetitive music loops, when they're at the right rhythm, they have a calming effect on our brains because the repetition means we do something which is called habituation. So habituation is when you get used to it, you adjust to it, you don't pay attention to it anymore. Uh, so you're not distracted by it. Um, but what's interesting is the rhythm of some of these repetitive sound designs is that they align with oscillation frequencies in our brains uh, and they can encourage neurons to exhibit more excitation. So I've said some, I've said some jargony words there. So basically, uh, our brains operate at oscillations. They've got frequencies going on all of the time. We've got alpha, beta, theta. Uh, they different things that we do will operate these different frequencies. When you turn your brain off to go to sleep, you've got more alpha frequencies going on, which are the low, calm, chill frequencies. Um, and then you've got uh, gamma like frequencies come up when you're doing something exciting and involved. So you're, I don't know, you're visually looking around a room and you're paying attention to something or you're pet playing a ukulele with a funky tune. Um, you've got lots of gamma going on, which is the higher frequencies. And that means your brain is like really excited and active. And those two are very complementary to each other. So um, what's nice is when you've got things in the outer world that align to these frequencies, uh, they can encourage these frequencies to be more engaged or more active. And having music that engages with these frequencies can do things like excite the neurons that are associated with it. So if you're going to try and shut off to go to sleep, you're calming your body down, you're telling everything to turn off. If you've got a frequency, some like cool ocean waves, it's like waving in the background or some tree forests or something like that, it's hooking up with your brain uh, on its alpha frequency and its theta frequency where you're trying to shut everything off and go to sleep. And it brings you down and it breaks you calmer. So that's why a lot of people find it useful to, to fall asleep to some white noise. Um, and so I, I just think that's a very interesting thing to, to think about. Um, the other great classic is uh, lo-fi chill beats to study to, uh, why some people need it to focus. Because actually, in order to focus on a task, they need to be able to turn off other parts of their brain because their brain is wandering elsewhere. So uh, tapping into that can help really uh, make people feel calmer. No, I just want to jump in. Uh, I mean, um, of course, this is a podcast. You can't uh, you can't see our faces, uh, but Jess and I can see each other uh, for the conversation. But um, I think I want everything you just said on on a t-shirt. So instead of just like just one little uh, you know quirky tagline, I think I want everything you just said in the last five minutes on a t-shirt because it was beautiful. It was almost poetic. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't want to make this a a, a music focused um, episode, but Everything you said there is is great because it aligns with the the responsibilities we set upon the music. So, using that as an example, um, music is super important and and it's used as um, there's choice in it. So this isn't like a two D thing where you start the game and there's music in your face straight away. We almost immediately stepped away from that because the whole point of Brewmaster especially it's it's about player choice it's about player comfort 
And you see that in the screenshots with the art, and you're absolutely right with the colors used. Nothing is by accident with Brewmaster. Everything is considered. Um, so, you know, there's there's opportunity to actually place that music within your space. Um, and there are hopefully there will be uh, multiple uh, playlists and, and a hell of a lot of variation with what you listen to. So, of course, everyone has different, different uh, genres of music they like to listen to when they're doing stuff. Um, you mentioned lo-fi. That's that's in there because it, it offers the player that kind of uh, transcending uh, kind of elevation when you're trying to focus in on something. There are no sharp edges really throughout the whole of um, Brewmaster in terms of its kind of. I, I use that kind of metaphorically. There, there probably is a sharp edge somewhere, like <laughs> a, a table might be sharp or whatever. But but do you know what I mean? It's it's all about certainly from a sonic palette, like thinking sonically. Everything's kind of warm. Everything's gonna kind of got a curve to it. Um, and and yeah, it's it's all about kind of uh, allowing the player to enter that 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 kind of floating focus, that float. Oh, that's a, that's a new buzz, but isn't it? A floating focus where they can just kind of hone in on the one thing they're doing. I know we've just spoken a lot about music, and we will move on to the other stuff in a minute because there's a hell of a lot of stuff, to, uh, good stuff to get through. But uh, another big focus was the ambience of the space as well. So that is arguably probably more important. Um, as a term, because the music here is being used as an ambience. It's not so much, uh, play video game, music triggers when I do this sort of thing. It's about an ambience. So that extends to the sound of the fridge. It extends uh, to the sound of the running tap. The sound extends to the sound of, of boiling liquid, the sound of the uh, of the hob being turned on. So all these things, they, they fire all the stuff you just said there, which I can't remember for the life of me now. But it it, it it's an in it aligns with everything you just said because it's like you mentioned white noise, uh, you know, rainfall, waterfalls, um, the ocean, all these things people listen to to try and find that focus when they're trying to do a thing. No, thank you for contextualizing that. It's really good to hear that you know even and it just goes to show that when you're really really skilled and excellent at the work you do and the profession that you're in like you you do all of these things subconsciously because you just know that they work and maybe you don't know the psychology of why they work but that's what you've learned helps and that's what you want to do and it's really nice to see uh you know yourself doing really well and implementing these these psychological effects into the game uh because you know that that's what will make the impact um, so I just think that's really nice to to bring it into context. So thank you. Um, I think kind of dragging ourselves away from the the visual audio ambience aspect of the game and more thinking about broader psychological things such as uh, accessibility. Um, so uh, for people with uh, any learning difficulties, in particular things like dyslexia, something that's important to us at Orc is accessibility, making sure it's a core pillar of our game creation, of our game production pipelines. And something that's really critical to this is UX UI design. Um, so it's no surprise that some design decisions uh, that improve accessibility for people with disabilities, such as dyslexia, uh, they've been implemented into the game. So we've got dyslexic friendly fonts and accessible color contrasts. Uh, our UX UI designer, Alex, um, director, uh, Alex, I remember her just coming across like building this really, really robust color palette of like oppositional colors and complementary and really digging deep into uh, what is an accessible color palette that also fits in with the theme of a game. And I just think it's really, really cool that 
someone put so much thought into something like that because it it, it is part of the entire game. It can make or break it. Um, it's very important to consider. Um, and I think as well, something that's important to think about is that the UI is intuitive, um, responsive, and it draws attention without sacrificing comfort in the process. So it's not like we've got a stark, dark gray, black background with bright pink font, because that would draw attention. Sure. Like you'd pay attention to that, but you're going to feel uncomfortable the entire time you're looking at it. Um, it's going to hurt your eyes. So, so how do you bring attention without letting things fade into the background? I think is a consideration to make. Um, there's not a capsule to say that all accessibility improves all experiences for everyone because accessibility is a malleable and unique experience. What really improves the accessibility for one person can reduce it for another. So this is where having customizability options for accessibility is an important thing. Uh, like I personally don't like dyslexic friendly fonts. Uh, I, I don't think that they're aesthetically very nice, even though um, I can understand that that makes things more legible. I prefer to just go with a really nice basic sans serif and that's absolutely fine because that's what works for me. Uh, so for example, the main color contrast that we've used uh, is a black font on a light gold background uh, or a deep orange on a light gold background uh, is much, much better than the aforementioned kind of black background with a bright pink. Um, and also it's interesting to note as well that uh, those kinds of stark color contrasts can evoke a danger response in us. We are very much coded in terms of our psychological makeup to respond with a fight or flight response to certain color combinations or aesthetic choices and even shapes, for example. Uh, some people really react poorly to There's studies that have shown that people uh, will react more negatively or more aggressively to sharper sided shapes than for more circled shapes. Um, it's not to say that, you know, everyone should be ditching triangles in lieu of, of circles. Um, I'm not saying that uh, triangles are my favorite shape, um, but it's just interesting to, if you're really going to get picky about it, there are differences between them. So I just thought that was interesting to chat about. Um, you know, that's kind of like a nice, envelope of Brewmaster and, and talking about it as a game. Uh, but I thought, what about the more broader general sense of games in general? So psychology within games in general, and this is kind of moving on topic a little bit away from Brewmaster, but I think it's interesting to talk about this idea of gamifying video games, um, and mental health within video games. So there are mental health management techniques uh, like CBT and DBT. Um, so CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and they really benefit from using uh, what I call dopaminergic reward systems. And these are the same systems that video games do. Uh, so uh, dopaminergic, basically dopamine is a neurotransmitter and it's your reward neurotransmitter. So what that means is it gets released in the brain whenever something good has happened and you're like, yes, I feel good about this. This is amazing. I want more of it. It's a reward loop system. So you get your dopamine and you're like, wow, I want that again. Repeat. So you will go back and do the task. Um, so this is where you get like conditioning happens. This is how you learn to do things that make you feel good and reward you and avoid things that make you not feel good and do not reward you. Um, and 
it's interesting to see that uh, mental health techniques tap into this in the same way that video games do. Uh, so think about trophies, badges, collectibles, unlockable content. When we're, if we're going to dive a little bit further into it, things that are definitely, in my opinion, gambling. So like loot boxes, for example, um, they operate on the same dopaminergic reward systems. That is why people continuously come back to them again and again. Um, and this is why I think it's we can then think about why there are a higher proportion of people that tend to veer towards video games than maybe other populations. So I think it's nice that for the video games industry, we have a higher percentage of neurodiverse people than most other industries because we attract people because we video games provides a comfort or video games provides a solace or it provides X, Y, Z things that neurodivergent people don't get elsewhere. Um, so if we take as an example, people with ADHD are drawn to video games at a higher rate than people without. Um, people with ADHD slash ADD, so uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, they have a dopamine deficiency that they need to counterbalance and video games can supplement this almost endlessly. They're going to be constantly in these loops of getting rewards, getting achievements, feeling progression in a game, feeling good about their progress in a game. Uh, if we think about uh, routine as well, uh, routine can be built around the incorporation of video gaming. Uh, research shows that using video games as a reward is a motivator that produces dopamine just at the thought. So it's not even like you need to be playing the game, just thinking about playing a game. Like you're sat there and you're, you're you're doing your work and you're like, gosh, this work day is dragging on. I am bored. I don't want to do it. And then you're like, oh, wait, but I can go play XCOM later at the end of the day. So I'm going to, and then all of a sudden you've found that motivation. You found that energy that's going to get you through that last hour or two dragging on from work because you know you've got a reward at the end of it that will make you feel good. I, I love that. Again, just to jump in here, um, this 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 is amazing, Jess. This this is a really really great thing to just let you kind of let loose on. Um, and yeah, just that, that that final bit just then, not final. We've still got some more to come, but that last bit, I can think of so many times uh, where even going back to as far as school, where where I used to play a lot of like football management sims. Um, I would still do work during the, the school day, of course, but like every playtime, every lunchtime in between lessons or even during lessons, I'd be chatting with a buddy just like, oh, last night I bought this player, um, but I'm, he's not performing, so I might sell him. Am I going to get this much money that I bought him for? Training needs to happen. The next match is coming up. All this sort of stuff. And I haven't thought about that for years. And even now I'm getting that hit just thinking about it because you're right. Like, just the thought. I've never thought of it that way before. That's amazing. Just to kind of think about the experience you had last night because you're still excited by it. And then the next day you're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get back to it and start doing this. And what if I try that out? And you mentioned XCOM. That's a big rabbit hole. We're not going to go down that down that because that's a whole sub-series by itself. Big XCOM fan here. But I'm, all I'm saying is I've never looked at it that way. And I've never looked at it kind of uh, in the back end, there's the psychology and the theory behind why that happens. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think so too. It's I I really like this aspect that just thinking about video games can make you feel good or make you feel rewarded or excited. Um, 
it's definitely a love that unites all of us within the industry and all the listeners at home and wider than that. Um, and I just think it's, it's just nice to be able to talk about it and to, to feel your response to it as well. And to be like, wow, that does resonate with me. And hopefully some of the listeners at home also were able to think of occurrences where this has happened for them too. Um, I think the last point that I wanted to dash through in this episode, because I'm aware that I've just, I've just rambled on. I've just splurged on a load of stuff here. No, no, this, this is not rambling at all. This, this is fantastic stuff. And I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I, I talked a little bit about within Brewmaster relaxation as a key thing uh, within the game. And I was like, why is this such a thing that we seek in, in games? And I think relaxation has always been a critical part of video game experiences. And I think that's more so become apparent because of, you know, pandemic and lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, people have been looking for ways to de-stress, to relax, uh, to take time away from, uh, life, things that are stressing them and to to indulge in something that makes them feel good for a little bit of time. And that's kind of what I think is the most beautiful thing that we do as an industry as a whole is we can help people feel happy. And that's really important to me. Uh, but, you know, me getting misty-eyed aside. Um, and I think what I find really interesting when I was thinking about this is relaxation as a concept of a game because you've got so many different kinds of players you've got players who like to have a curly like a, a, to curl up on a sofa with a cozy game on their switch like brewmaster for example and just play that for a few hours to turn off or they like to play animal crossing but you've got other people and they're like actually what i really want to do is i want to go on to call of duty i want to go online and i just want to shoot a lot of things like that's what relaxes me that's what engages me that's what i want to do to turn off uh so i was thinking why is it that relaxation applies to so many different genres of games um and i think it's it just comes down to the crux of relaxation isn't about being a wholesome game it can be a brutal action-packed game like call of duty or dark future but the result of relaxation is still the same because Sometimes the most relaxing aspect of a game is the ability to switch off, uh, minimize your thinking, uh, especially if you've got a cognitively demanding lifestyle. So this is why we would return to games we're familiar with during periods of stress or more head empty games like Tetris, where it's more like a muscle memory thing. I know that I myself, when I'm particularly stressed out with work, I've always got about two or three games I'm playing at the same time. One of them at the moment is Disco Elysium, which I have an absolutely stellar time with. I really like it. It's an amazing game. But I've got to think about it to play it a little bit. And that's fine. I like that. It's engaging. But if I've had a very overwhelming day at work, I want to be able to play something that I don't have to think about. So like Crash, for example, I'll always go back to Crash or... Kingdom Hearts, I always play Kingdom Hearts repeatedly um, at least once a year because it's just something that comforts me and makes me feel good. I know what to expect. I don't have to think about the game very much because I, it's just something that's familiar. So I thought that that was interesting is sometimes to relax, you actually want to just switch off completely uh, for however you seek that. Um, and depending on you, who you are as well, uh, it's possible that you could find resource management and designing uh, 
uh, you know, a very overwhelming thing. So like Animal Crossing, for example, stresses me out because all I would do is think about how I'm not designing my island to the most perfect standard possible. Um, but other people would find that deeply relaxing because they just get to spend time and consider it and really play into it. So I think it's, um, it's just, it's thinking about how everyone is an individual and everyone has different needs and different things that they're seeking for. And we need to respect that. And that's why video games to me as an industry is a deeply collaborative industry because there's no one game that's, you know, more important than any other game. We should always, always be working together to be seeking to uplift each other because our player communities are so broad and expansive and the individuals within them, uh, there's so many games out there for them. Um, we all want to be doing the best we can for the players at home and for ourselves too. Um, so I think that's kind of where I want to wrap up there and lie on that is basically how our brains interpret things is that there are very clear psychological impacts that can be made. Uh, like we talked about visuals and audio and dopamine reward systems. There are things that are tried and tested to kind of be applicable to everybody. But what's important is how those things are applied might not necessarily be received by individuals as having the impact or the perceived or intended impacts that we want them to have. Uh, some people just really don't want to play a cozy game to relax. Uh, they want to they want to play Call of Duty. They want to play a fast paced racing game because that adrenaline spike actually helps them clear out their system or they want to have something cognitively demanding like Disco Elysium or a strongly you know, strategy heavy game because they want to be overloaded with thinking uh, about something else. Um, so I think my takeaway from this episode is that I would just encourage any game developers out there, any game players out there to just play stuff that you're not used to making, that you're not used to playing. Devs, go out there and be be true to the genre of the game that you're making because there will be people out there who want to play your game, who will receive your game well and who will adore it. Um, that's kind of my takeaway that I want people to bring from this. I feel as though I think I've just had one of the best like one-to-one -one seminars of my life. That was amazing. Like I genuinely want want to let you know that that was so so good. In just in terms of like what you the points you made, the the sort of logic you applied to much of the stuff that we all think, but I mean I, I don't tend I don't often sort of dip into the the back end of stuff like that. I, I'm I'm just not particularly wired that way, I guess. But like it's so fascinating just to have you on board with this kind of back backstory and this this uh this expertise that you can apply to what we do and it's 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 a real game changer and full of full of puns today but like it really is because that that gets implemented into what we do and the output of that all of those things are considered before we get to the end game and i i, I don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of struck for words a bit i think that was one of the arguably one of the best episodes i think we've ever done that was amazing so that's that's some high praise right there, considering some of the episodes we've put out in the past. Matt, thank you very, very much. That's really kind. I think that's, yeah, it was a really fun episode to, to write and to talk about and to give. Um, I hope that everyone at home has been able to take away something from it, either, you know, the validation and security as a player that just play what it is you want to play and enjoy it. Uh, you don't have to have a deep explanation as to why. And any game developers out there, stick true to the genre and the game that you want to make. Uh, make it the best game you possibly can be and 
there will always be people who want to play your game and who will love it and adore it for what it is. Um, I know that when I was thinking about this episode, I thought, well, psychology, the first thing that kind of entered my mind was, do we talk about mental health and and uh, weave that into the episode? And perhaps we could do a separate episode on that, I think, and mental health and well-being in video games, because I think that's a separate topic that's been very well covered amongst you know, podcasters and YouTubers and all sorts. Um, but the kind of back end of game development is less so prevalent. And I thought it'd be a bit fun to to talk about and to dig into it. Um, you know, mental health is very important to us at Auroc. Um, outside of this, we take it seriously uh, just as much as mental health. We support colleagues who need time off for their well-being and we're accommodating for therapy and counselling sessions this extends to us being an anti-crunch studio. We build protections into our production pipelines against it. We have flexi start and end times to the workday to fit into lifestyles of people. And we're also always forever encouraging community, like uh, communication uh, as a studio. Um, so it's very important to us. But also what we like to do is to think about more blue sky about video games and how we develop them and how we create them. So... Yeah, it was a fun episode. Thanks for tuning in, Matt. I enjoyed it. I, I tuned into what you were saying a, a lot. Like, of course, this is something that extends to Sumo as well. This is an ethos that we share. And and for us as a as a smaller studio at the time, it was just very obvious just to sort of do that, to go down that pathway. Yeah, it just made a whole lot of sense. So it's never really been a consideration to do anything anything else. Um, yeah, I've, I've really got nothing to say. I mean, all I can think about right now is XCOM. Now that you've planted that seed, that's all, I, <laughs> all I'm thinking about now. XCOM, again, you know, it's it's an interesting game for me, XCOM, because I got into it quite late in my sort of gaming career, let's say. Um, but it's a strange one in that it's uh, it, it offers me both things. It's like it, it offers you the, that kind of adrenaline rush when you're in the, in the mix of a mission and everything's kind of going to hell and you don't know whether you're going to get out alive. But then you also you spend a lot of time with the characters that you you hone them, you promote them, you craft them, and you you allow them mm. to grow. There's great satisfaction in that. Which for the gameplay loop, when you then send those characters to war against the alien scum and they don't come back alive, oof, it it's it has actually it's actually stopped me playing the game for a bit because I just can't go back to it. It's, it, it's that's how powerful that ruddy game is to me. So I'm going to stop there because, as I say, it is it is a black hole and I don't want to go down it because we're coming to the end of the episode. So kill it. Let's go out that there. Um, but Jess, wow. I mean, yeah, I've got nothing else to say to that. I think that was that was fantastic. And I think a lot of people, uh, as I say, are going to uh, really resonate with all, all and every word that you said there. So thank you for all of that. It was amazing. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, and, you know, if anyone ever wants to to find out more or read more i just encourage you to to go go deep into the youtube side of things and really see what's out there there's a lot of really good content on the psychology of video games uh, so dig deep have fun it's it's an interesting one in the fast-paced realm of the games industry the best way to keep up to date with everything happening at oroc digital is to follow us on social media you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using the handle at Oroc Digital. And we're on LinkedIn too, as Oroc-Digital-Limited. We also encourage you to sign up to our mailing list to receive regular newsletters that go into more detail about our projects and to join our community Discord 
who are the first to hear our updates. You can subscribe to the mailing list and join the Discord on our website, auricdigital.com. And whilst you're on the website, be sure to check out our recruitment page under auricdigital.com forward slash jobs, where we post all employment opportunities. Links to all these socials and more are in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.